Welcome everyone to Nordnet Tech. My name is Tvapon. I am the CTO and CPO of Nordnet Bank. And as usual, I have... Marcus Kastenfors, head of product design at Nordnet. Yes. And we have a very special guest today, Tyler Crowley, who is the, the startup scene guru uh, and uh, who has done amazing job in, in putting Stockholm into the startup scene of the world, actually. Uh, I've had the honor of working with Tyler for, for a couple of years, uh, or I think it's maybe three years now, uh, hosting Stockholm Tech. Uh, what is Stockholm Tech? Stockholm Tech is Europe's largest tech meetup. So we are meeting with all the famous investors. Uh, and so we had everyone has been there. Uh, North Google Ventures. Star, Nordic Ventures, Equity Ventures, Crandom. Oh, basically, Google, everyone. The big players. The big players. And so we have, every time we have a couple of investors, uh, one or two firms, and then we have three startups pitching their ideas. And during the pitch, we interrupt them, we, we ask questions, we ask uh, the investors about their kind of findings during the, the pitch. Kind of Shark Tank-ish. Yes. Yeah. Yes, definitely. And, and it's a very, very popular and very interesting format, I would say. Uh, and Tyler is, you know, he's such an inspiring person and he is, he's doing so much good for this community. Mm. And it's, you know, when I first met him, I felt like, okay, he's, he, he's very uh, ambitious in, in what he's doing. But the more I get to know him, I really understand that this is a true passion for him. And he's really, he's so engaged in getting started. Stockholm app, like getting notified as, as being one of the larger tech up, startup scenes in, in the yeah. world. which We're Connecting people. Yes, connecting people. And, and uh, I would say, of course, it's not a one man's job, but he has done a great job. He has, a, he has been one of the, the, maybe the most influential person to take Stockholm up to the level where we are today, yeah. uh, where we now are listed... Uh, as number one in Europe? Or something uh, like? Number no. one in Europe, number two in the world. Yeah, uh, after Silicon Valley. And I mean, that's just, we're a small country and uh, we usually don't know how to, to market ourselves. And that is something that, you know... He's going to talk about that. Guy, he knows how to do that. Um, um, so I'm I'm personally very happy to to hear the story uh, about Tyler as as uh, yeah, he's a, a close friend and a colleague since several years back and also a person I truly admire uh, and he's also now very engaged in the environment and and getting fresh water for people and and solving the world's problem with entrepreneurship and that is a super interesting angle of things but. When he was here, uh, unfortunately, I had to go to the dentist. <laughs> yes. It, so uh, during the interview, um, I usually ask when I have fintech presentations, I, I usually sometimes I start with asking how many people in this room would like to go to the dentist. And then I say that only uh, 20, 20 uh, sorry, uh, 75% uh, would rather go to the dentist than listen to what the bank has to say. And that's <laughs> the one of the challenges of being in, in the finance industry. Never mind. I had to go to the dentist. So I... I only I missed ma the Half majority. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, so, but Marcus, can you please share a little bit? What did you talk about when I left? So he talked a lot about his story and how he ended up in in Sweden and mm -hmm. uh, starting Stockholm Tech. And what's interesting is that he didn't start 
his career in tech. He started his career in music, so music mm. management. And from that, he just saw the macro trend in the world that making money in the music business mm. will be a problem in the future because mm. of Napster at the time and things like that. So he was like, okay, maybe I should embrace this tech thing. <gasps> and that led him into launching something called um, Launch Festival in LA, a big mm. event, mm. and also launching meetups mm. in LA and connecting hundreds, thousands of people within the startup community in LA. And, and LA at the time didn't have that many startups, mm. but now you have Tinder and other players. Mm. So, and he coined the kind of the hashtag Silicon Beach, mm -hmm. so the, mm -hmm. the startup community in LA. And that led him to meet tons of people. And then he was invited to 10 Downing Street in the UK. Mm -hmm. And then he met mm -hmm. some Swedish people who invited him to go to Sweden. And then he took a Ryanair flight from, I think it was London, to mm -hmm. go to Sweden. And then he was just, I don't know, mesmerized. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's a strong word, but he was very inspired by the culture at the time. I, don't, mm -hmm. I think it was maybe 2010 or something mm -hmm. like that, so mm -hmm. five, six years ago. And he saw the same kind of patterns in Stockholm that he saw in LA earlier. Mm -hmm. he, he just felt that there, was, there were things brewing, bubbling mm -hmm. in, in Stockholm. So he's mm -hmm. like, okay, I'm going to do this all over again, mm -hmm. but apply it to Stockholm. Mm -hmm. And that's the story. And um, we talked about other things as well. We talked about how to pitch in the proper oh, way. Oh, so good. I love um, his pitching school. He usually have it for before yeah. Stockholm so, Tech. So he schools me a bit about yeah, how, to, how to pitch. <laughs> um, and uh, he also talks about what to look for when he's investing because he's an angel investor. Mm -hmm. And obsessing about the problems of falling in love with the problem mm -hmm. that you're addressing with your mm -hmm. startup. And then we talk about VR, we talk about Tesla, we talk about Amazon, we talk about, you know, trends mm. and all that kind of stuff. So it's, it's a jam-packed episode with Tyler Crowley, and, <laughs> schooling I mean, us. Schooling us. And, and, uh, and um, uh, I, I really must say that this, this might be one of the most educating, not that I've heard it yet, but <laughs> one of the most educating uh, parts we have had so far because he has such knowledge Mm. especially i mean both uh, what kind of product you should look for what kind of problems you should solve and how you should present it and basically how you present it is also kind of set how you set a strategy for the company yep. is this really something that it's worth doing yep. so uh he sits on a tons of knowledge yep so enjoy guys enjoy. this is a I special will. one welcome tyler to the nuna tech pod so Happy to have you here, Thanks. my friend from F Stockholm Tech, the mm. startup guru, mm. Tyler. Mm. Finally, you know, finally, we've been on stage so many times, yeah. but finally, I, I have the opportunity now to ask. Now you're the boss. Yeah, I can ask you <laughs> You questions. can interrupt me nonstop. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Payback. <laughs> yeah. So amazing to have you here. Yeah. Uh, should we start with, yes. The philosophical question. Yeah, the f we usually start with. Why are we? Why are we? Why, why, are, we, why, are, we, why are we here? W what's the meaning of life? Yeah. And uh, I who mean, who is Tyler Crowley? Yeah. That's also a good question. Um, it changes every five years or so. Yeah. Yeah, it's an it's an interesting tale. Yeah. But the, the whole first part of my life was music. Yeah. Oh, so very much so. Okay. Record deals and traveling oh. nonstop every. Oh. All I mean, I think I did ten U.S. tours every city. 
house ten, music? Ten times. No, this was pre tech. This is uh, you know in the nineties. Oh. When people oh. still played instruments oh. and stuff. Yep. Oh. And uh, old school. Old school. Old, cool. Yeah. And um and that was, you know, I thought that was gonna be my whole life at that time, you know. Yeah. And certainly all my my whole universe was that, my friends and everything. Yeah, right? yeah. And then I of all my friends was one of the first to realize like this is I see where this tech thing is coming and this is gonna kick our ass mm -hmm, as music mm -hmm, like because mm -hmm. we were starting to record digitally ah, okay yeah and i saw the writing on when we switched over to cds mm -hmm. and the digital and napster came out and that was to me was the magic moment i was mm -hmm. like these labels are fucked mm -hmm. like these records this whole thing's gonna yeah turn into a tech a battle between mm -hmm. tech and and the record label industry and this tech thing's gonna win it was very clear to me right when napster came out mm -hmm. like there's no mm -hmm. you can't put mm -hmm. the genie back in the bottle like mm -hmm. and that began my, I realized there's going to be no more money in music, really, mm -hmm. for the artists, mm -hmm. in terms mm -hmm. of record sales, mm -hmm. anyways. Mm -hmm. It's just too easy to download this shit. Mm -hmm. This is pre-iTunes, and, you know, I, I figured there'd be payment somehow. I, I thought Napster would have a subscription, and, mm -hmm. which ends mm -hmm. up being Spotify, yeah. really, yeah. if you think about it. And um, so I was like, you know what, I'm going to get out of this game <laughs> and get into <laughs> this tech game. <laughs> was it just one day when you... It, it, it was pretty much like one, one day. day. Yeah, yeah, like probably yeah. the same day I downloaded like five gigs of songs. <laughs> and I was like, you know what? Life changing these people moment. aren't making any money off me downloading these songs. And yeah, I think the whole world's going to be doing this before long. Yeah. And there's no point in trying to sell records anymore. Mm -hmm. So, um, and there's not a lot of money in live unless you're incredibly big, mm -hmm. right? Like a household mm -hmm. name. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, mm -hmm. touring is actually an investment in selling mm -hmm. albums mm -hmm. traditionally. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, it was very clear to me. Um, not that I was doing music for the money, but it was just like, I, uh, how am I going to make a living doing mm -hmm. this? I don't really mm -hmm. see that. No mm -hmm. disrespect. I mean, I, I think this a, that's a whole other interesting conversation. Yeah, around yeah, yeah. Should should we should we feel bad about music being free? No, honestly, mm -hmm. personally, I feel like, and many musicians feel this way. It's about fifty fifty. Many musicians feel that music is a gift from God to you and you are not supposed to make money from it mm -hmm. he didn't charge you for mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. he gave it to you those mm -hmm. songs by the way many many musicians like the songs that come in their head the melodies and the lyrics bob dylan's a perfect example uh paul mccartney both say i don't write these songs they just come to me <laughs> like mm -hmm. I, I they hardly feel like they own them mm -hmm. they're just the messenger right so uh, that's a whole other philosophical conversation but um feeling that way as I do. I, I don't think you're supposed to really make money. I was mm -hmm. like, you know what? Mm -hmm. I, I should probably find something else to do and just keep music as a hobby and it's a beautiful gift. And, and what did you do? And what so actually from there, I got into a clothing company. I started a clothing, clothing company. Clothing company. Oh. Which all my friends were like, that's kind of a weird maneuver. Yeah. And it actually, <laughs> I got very lucky. Yeah. I mean, there's no other word In for way. it. In what way? I met the right people at the right time. Mm -hmm. I got the best agent mm -hmm. on the mm -hmm. West Coast mm -hmm. and it just blew up. Mm -hmm. Um just luck. I mean, I, I think it's just luck, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. the right designs at the right time and the right mm -hmm. buyer with the right mm -hmm. agent and just yeah, boom, yeah. you know, and very fortunate. And then um, that transitioned into a lot of traveling because you're, you're involved mm -hmm. in a lot of Asia mm -hmm. at that mm -hmm. point. Mm -hmm. Fashion is kind of a global thing, going to different shows. And um, and then it was a much more international instead of the, the, mm -hmm. the music touring was very national. Mm -hmm. And realized I really love traveling. And then my, um, after that, that came to a quick end. And it, but I kept traveling. Mm -hmm. And at that point, I was stock trading. 
um, oh. wherever I was going. Oh. And, and laptops had just become 17 inches. If you remember these yeah, massive laptops, it was the era of like, yeah. how big can these laptops get? Yeah. And they're like bigger than your desk, you know? Yeah. You remember these? Yes. Yep, I like remember. for video gaming? Yeah. yeah. Which are perfect for stock trading. Mm-hmm. So I was carrying this desktop on my yeah. back, traveling around the world, and every day I'd whip it out in a, in a Starbucks in Tokyo and trade stocks through the night on this thing. Oh. What was your favorite at the time? Tech stocks. Tech Al- stocks. I was doing a tech lot stocks. of the tech stocks, Google, yeah. Apple. Ah. And um, that really led me to f- deeply, when you're trading a stock, you, mm-hmm. you really get into wanting to know the company deeply. Yeah. And that... That worked out okay for a while. It, it supported me traveling all over the place and, and afforded me a lot of freedom to just go and do whatever I want to do. And then um, I did a tweet one time. I think Twitter had just started. Mm-hmm. I mean, this was 2007 now. Uh, my friend Jason Calacanis, mm-hmm. who, who now has become... Uh, this Week in Startups. Right? This Week in Startups. Jason, yeah. It's, at Jason on Twitter is one of my dearest friends. We just kind of became friends online at that point. Okay. And then he had just sold his blogging company. Mm-hmm. And for those that know, don't know, Jason was the the person who put ads on blogs, the first ah. person, which was mm-hmm. a bizarre mm-hmm. move at the time. It was, mm-hmm. When blogs first came out, that was considered like yeah. your medium post. Yeah. You're like, yeah. You would never put an ad on your medium no, no, post, no. right? No. It was like Blogs were this sacred space where yeah. it's commercial free. Mm-hmm. And Jason starts, he put the very first, you know, mm-hmm. this is kind mm-hmm. of history book type stuff for the internet. He sold an ad to Volvo and mm-hmm. put it on a blog. Mm-hmm. And then he just kept going and going and going and mm-hmm. built this network of blogs. And then 16 months later, sold it for $25 million to oh AOL. My God. And so he, he clearly had his hand on mm-hmm. the, the lightning bolt as it is um, with where the internet was going. So for his follow up act, mm-hmm. he could get money from any investor oh, on any yeah, product, you know, on anything he wants to do. And Jason being Jason, if you know him, he, he doesn't do anything small. He wanted to do a search engine. So um, he got all the best investors in the world. Elon oh. Musk, Mark Cuban, oh. Sequoia Capital, uh, News Corp, um, to invest in a search engine. To beat Google. To go head-to-head with the search engines oh. at that time, which was Google, mm-hmm. yeah. And and it was... Um, what was the name of it? Mahalos, and and Mahalo. it was like just like Honolulu, like yeah, like Hawaiian mm-hmm. Ho- Mahalo, mm-hmm. which means thank mm-hmm. you in Hawaiian. Okay, and uh, it's used for a lot of meanings in Hawaiian, but uh, it's a very special word. Anyway, it, it was you know just him in his house at the mm-hmm. time, mm-hmm. and he said, you know, why don't you join uh, mm-hmm. on this crazy ride? Mm-hmm. This is gonna be crazy. And at that time, I was in the process of buying a place in Thailand, mm-hmm. and I was literally on my way back, and then we met at his house for coffee and. Uh, He's like, yeah, why don't you, this is going to be a crazy ride. Mm -hmm. Let's do this. And then I go to Starbucks in downtown LA where where I was living near at the time. And the manager there is this old, very heavy, amazing, charismatic African-American woman who's just, uh, you know, one of the most vibrant people I've ever met and uh, a real character. And and she sees me and I'm back because I'd been spending a lot of time in Thailand. She's like, oh, you're back. I go, what's going on? I go, well, I just got this opportunity to like join this internet company. And she's like, well, well, that sounds great. What's the problem? I go, well, I was thinking of just, you know, settling down in Thailand, you know, with this. <laughs> um, and she goes, well, Thailand's not going anywhere. <laughs> mm, that's true. And I was like, you know what? You're right. So she's like, yeah, just give it a shot. You know, three mm-hmm. weeks, mm-hmm. Uh, three months, six months, nine months. You, know, just, you can always bail out. Mm-hmm. Thailand's not going to. So I phoned Jason back. All right, all right, let's do this. Mm-hmm. 
And that turned into a indeed a very crazy ride, even yeah. crazier than we thought. Yeah. Um, it seems like there's a lot of serendipity in your life. Sure. I mean, yeah. I mean, like I, these even, things happening, even, talking even, to that even lady. more so now yeah. than then. Mm-hmm. I am always very open to, and now it's if you want to jump, pause the story to jump into that point, which to me is a very salient point. So much so that I now one of my kind of f- philosophies now is the best thing you can do in your life is to say, okay, universe, what do you want me to do? Not what do I want to do? What do you want me to do? Mm. What did I was put, you put me here, universe. What do you want me to do? Mm. Tell me, I'll do it. I, I, <laughs> but you have to be willing to do that. You have to be willing to be like, okay, I'm here. I'm whatever it is, as crazy as it, <laughs> as it might be, you show me what it is you want me to do mm. and I will be your agent because it's almost like there's this power up there somewhere beyond the sun that, you know, we are here to fulfill some kind of destiny. And I feel like Elon Musk is very much acting on behalf of that mm. thing. Mm. And Steve Jobs did and uh, amazing people are basically acting as agents of that amazing thing. And the more that you make yourself available to that, you know, here I, I'm, I'll be your hands on the ground. You just... Use me. <laughs> Going back to the music thing, very similar. Yeah. I'm here. You just send me the song. Uh, I'll write it. Just I'm listening. It's the exact same thing, actually. So um, I firmly believe that. Mm. Mm. Me too. And, yeah. And so to to prove that point, mm-hmm. <clears throat> anyway, Mahalo ended up not working out. But as part of Mahalo, we started producing big tech events. The Launch Festival in the U.S. is the largest U.S. festival now. Launch Festival? Launch Festival. Okay. It's a three-day festival of 16,000 people. Very Similar in size to Slush, actually. It's identical mm-hmm, in mm-hmm, size. Mm-hmm. But been doing it for nine years. So, mm-hmm. um, um, And then I kind of brought a lot of, that, a lot of that in the L.A. ecosystem. As part of growing Mahalo, we grew the L.A. ecosystem, um, which was a real joy, actually. Mm-hmm. And, and, and kind of proud about. That was mm-hmm, a real challenge. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Silicon Valley thought, you know, L.A. will never really be taken seriously. Now you got Snapchat and Tinder and everybody's there. And then brought that recipe to Stockholm and to grow, grow Stockholm. Yeah, but how did hap- that happen? Yeah. I mean, it's, it's a big leap going from yeah, California to Stockholm. No, how not. did you come to, yeah, what's what's your first meeting I was, with Stockholm? I was, help, I was meeting with 10 Downing Street, oh, London. Mm. What happened was 2007. Mm. If you really want the real story. Yeah. Give how, us the truth. How much time, time <laughs> do we got? <laughs> the, the truth. truth. <laughs> how much time? Wait, wait, uh, I mean, it depends on now. Do you want the 10-minute version? Five, the, the abbreviated five, 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 five. Okay. five. The five-minute version is we got a bunch of money from these mm-hmm. a great board and like $20 million we raised mm-hmm. like right off the bat and had to, we knew we needed to hire about, you know, 150 people like mm-hmm. right away. So from leaving Jason's kitchen, we got a very big space because mm-hmm. we had $20 million to grow mm-hmm. and we needed to hire 150 people. Okay, what's the strategy for hiring a lot of great developers quickly, mm. like with a quickness? <laughs> mm-hmm. And so the strategy was, well, there's all of these technology meetups happening mm. in different cafes and bars and we're really shady corners around LA. And so let's build a dream venue uh. with a screen and audio and chairs mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. restrooms and parking, super fast mm-hmm. Wi-Fi and offer it as a free venue, come and yeah. host your meetups here. Mm. And they all accepted. Mm. So very quickly, every night, Monday to Friday, 6 mm. to 9 p.m., there was a meetup. Mm. 
And that was very selfish because we we'd start the event by saying, "Hi, we're Mahalo, please. We're mm-hmm. hiring." If you're mm-hmm. in it, it was a total selfish yeah, maneuver. Yeah, yeah. yeah. marketing. The, the totally unintended consequence of that was putting a calendar on the wall, and now people, the other meetups are benefiting from each other, all being in the same venue. Yeah. And then that got to a certain point where, fast forward six months, we hired the 150 people. We don't need you anymore. You're uh, now a problem. Uh, Get the fuck out. Yeah. <laughs> so you're actually in the way. We're trying yeah. to work here. We're trying to like grow a company. So luck as the universe does, yeah. right across the street, uh, a believe it or not, a, a Swede, a Persian Swede uh, named Avesta and his wife Cameron had just opened a co-working space called ah. Coloft, and they were trying to sell desks and not having much luck early on. And I said, take all of these meetups. Yeah. Please. Yeah. They need a place. Yeah. They can still use our parking lot. Yeah. And, you know, host these meetups every night and tell them yeah. you've got desks available. And they did. And they filled their space instantly. And then yeah. had to go next yeah. door and filled that and whatever. But now that's a really special thing because of the 24-hour venue mm-hmm. where people could go and hang out all day long mm-hmm. and have the events on the nighttime. Ah. And there's a co-working space. Ah. And that started this magical formula. And they also yeah. happened to have this kind of loungy area with a kitchen mm-hmm. where people mm-hmm. could hang out and meet, even mm-hmm. if you weren't a member. Mm-hmm. And that, in hindsight, Lund- what happened was that was that started the L.A. community in a way. Now they, they had a physical home. Mm. And another friend of mine, Jason Nazar, was doing these monthly events called Startups Uncensored, where everyone was coming together once a month and we'd bring in a VC guest from Silicon Valley and then my buddy Efren was like the, the blogger for the community. Mm-hmm. He, he would document everything that was going on for people outside of town who could see what's going on. And then you got the hashtag was starting because Twitter had just started. Mm-hmm. It was 2007. Mm-hmm. We, we used this hashtag Silicon Beach and all these things were going on. Mm-hmm. The, now, then fast forward a year and the LA Times has a dedicated journalist to cover the community. And Forbes puts a dedicated mm-hmm. person on the community. And TechCrunch puts a dedicated person on the LA and the snowball just keeps growing to mm. a point where it's like, this is really fucking happening. Mm. <laughs> and then Chris Saka moves from Silicon Valley to L.A. He's like ah. easily mm. one of the top five mm. angel mm. investors now, probably top three, maybe even number one. He's now the, one of the Shark Tank jug- judges now. Right. And an amazing guy. And he moves to L.A. because there's a real opportunity mm. down there. Mm. It's like, holy shit. This is like what we call like mm. when the dog catches the car, mm-hmm. like the dog who chases mm-hmm. the car and then catches <laughs> the car. We caught the car. What do we do now? <laughs> And uh, you don't even know what to do. Is mm. you know you exceeded your expectations. So, um, yeah. And um, at that point, London came over, being like, "How the hell are you doing this? Because mm. we would like to do this. Mm. <laughs> we want to be mm. the Silicon Valley of Europe. Mm. Yeah. No conflict with you. If would you mind sharing the recipe? Yeah. And they the words they used were, "What's the secret recipe? Ah. Mm. And nobody had ever asked that. Mm. Like, and I never really reflected in hindsight. Mm. how what was worked what was meaningful so halfway through dinner i'm like here's the recipe mm. and it's mm. these ingredients these mm. were the things that really mattered mm. they said great can you come back to 10 downing street like mm. tomorrow mm. with us mm. <laughs> so fly back to london i'm wearing my jeans and my hoodie yeah. and i arrive at the airport <laughs> and they're like why are you here and i'm like i'm here to meet the prime minister and they're like, not like, dressed like that you're not <laughs> and they, uh they took you dress shopping or <laughs> yeah yeah no th- i didn't get it and it was kind of funny and um and they, it was interesting to me to see, to see if the recipe would stick. Yeah, yeah. And, and it did. Uh-huh. And they, the for one of the first steps is that yeah. venue I was talking about, the the, the nest I call yeah. it, the physical yeah. space. 
And Google wanted to provide something to London, and they got mm. Google to create a venue called mm. Google Canvas, which was mm. new at the time, mm. and now they mm. do in other cities, and it's brilliant. Mm. And it's exactly Coloft. It's a, mm. a mixture of event space, co-working space, mm. and meeting space, mm. which anyone can participate in. And then, you know, two years later, the Olympics comes around, mm. and they're, you know, and I was over there for the Summer Olympics and for follow-up kind of just stuff and uh thought there was you know here's this 15 euro flight on ryanair mm -hmm. to go check out sweden and a friend of mine had always said swedish mm -hmm. summers are mm -hmm. kind of magical you should go see it if you have the chance so here's a chance mm -hmm. so i just popped mm -hmm. over and quickly realized like this is la 2007 ah exactly mm -hmm. a lot of smart mm -hmm. people you saw the no, potential. Not yet. Yeah, it just hit me this mm -hmm. is out this is la we could do this mm -hmm. all over mm -hmm. again yeah mm -hmm. clear as day mm -hmm. just like Putting my shoes on, like mm -hmm. that, mm -hmm. that simple. Mm -hmm. And I went around telling people that, mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. we're going to do this. Mm -hmm. I met with the city. You want to do this? The city's like, yeah, let's do this. Okay. Mm -hmm. And then I just started meeting everybody mm -hmm. to, to, and updating them exactly what you've heard, right? Mm -hmm. And they looked at me like I'm crazy. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but they wouldn't say it to my face, but they were saying it to each other. Like, there's this <laughs> yeah. crazy guy from L.A. who's in town <laughs> saying that, you know, Two years from now, things are going to be very different here. And clearly, he doesn't know how things are supposed to, you know, you don't yeah, talk yeah. like that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know that at the time. I was, you know, so I think I had this charming, naive, yeah. you know, kind of American vibe that um, thankfully people, oh, yeah, they thought I might be a little crazy, but my intentions were good. Yeah. And, um, and but the recipe was crystal clear to me yeah. on how to do this. Yeah. And then the city said there's this young gal jessica who wants to do a co-working mm -hmm. space yeah i said let me talk to yeah. her i know yeah. what i know what i'm gonna do we got we got something to work on yeah and, and that's sub 46 and that became sub 46 right. and that's then so i met awesome. james pember who wanted to do a blog and i'm like i know the mm -hmm. recipe for that here's mm -hmm. here's how to perfectly cook that dish mm -hmm. here and here's efren in la mm -hmm. who's been doing it for three years mm -hmm. And then I took on the, the monthly event part that my mm. friend Jason Nazar does because mm. I knew how important that would be mm. and how they would all play together. And mm. then it, it just came together mm. precisely as I said it would. And, mm. then, and then later, it was funny, some people who were very skeptical of my crazy predictions later tweeted, I, you know, they com confessed, you know, I thought he yeah. was crazy, but he did it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And uh, it's been, I can't, I mean... I just knew it would work. Yeah. There was no question. Yeah. There was no yeah. question. Because yeah. I kept saying, honestly, and I wanted Swedes to understand this. This was, mm -hmm. I was very sincere when I say, you guys are more talented than these fuckers in LA. Mm -hmm. You're better designers. Mm -hmm. You're better engineers. Mm -hmm. You know, you suck at marketing, but totally. if the product's good enough, that doesn't, that the product will you speak for itself. You can also recruit people from. Uh, yeah, of course. <laughs> of course. You can fill in the blanks. Yes. But, 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 but damn me, you, you know, this. There ain't no reason this place isn't going to become something seriously respected. And at the same time, Berlin was getting a lot of more respect mm -hmm. than maybe it should. Yeah. And, I, and I wanted that to be corrected. It, to me, it was a wrong that mm -hmm. needed to be righted. Mm -hmm. And so I was very motivated by that. Mm -hmm. I was very motivated by Stockholm getting the respect it deserves. And fast forward to last week and one of the top global uh, leading venture capital firms who aren't they're kind of based in Singapore and Tel Aviv mm -hmm. and the mm -hmm. Valley. Did their own top ranking of the top 10, 20 ecosystems. They put mm -hmm. Stockholm number two. Yeah. Yeah, that was so cool. There you go. And what, I mean, uh, then you started off. Uh, and uh, can you just 
I mean, we have seen uh, a lot of it's ha- a lot of things have happened during this journey that you have run Stockholm Tech, right? You have, yeah. We have seen kind of the whole uh, community has has evolved. Yeah. Then we well, see, par- this. but thanks to a lot of the players here, yeah. Klarna deserves a lot of respect yeah, in yeah, this yeah. early on. Yeah, said, you know what? Let's do this. Mm-hmm. All everybody in town. Yeah, from. King, Klarna, Spotify. It was yeah. just awesome to see everyone come together and be like, yeah, let's do this. Yeah. Kind of secretly from the back. Like, yeah. you go. Like, yeah. here's some help. Yeah. You know? And, uh, wow. Um, mm. I mean, it was a huge... It's the whole mm. city came together in a beautiful way. A lot of different actors doing lots of different stuff. A lot of meetups, a lot of groups. Just to, to watch the city kind of mm. spark up, uh, light and up. And where do you think it will end? How, how, I mean... Great question. Yeah. Um... I just had a meeting today that'll be very relevant to that question. Um, uh-huh. Tech Fest next year. We do uh-huh. the big annual event in yeah, September, yeah, right? Yeah. I just had a meeting today. I cannot wait for people to hear what's going to happen oh. for September. Okay. It's now taking being taken to a whole new level. Oh. Whole new <laughs> le- that, that I could never do myself. That involves very big players making very big moves, and it's a beautiful yeah, yeah. thing. It's so. Um, I'm super excited for that. When can we hear that? Uh, I, I imagine it might be a c- two months out. Perhaps. Two months out. Yeah. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so. And so where does it go from there? Well, hopefully more and more investment money keeps coming in as it has been doing for the last mm-hmm. you know three years. And hopefully more and more good talent's able to find a home here. Mm-hmm. Uh, literally, yeah, um, yeah, because they certainly have a home creatively, or you know, f- you know, yeah, opportunities yeah. are here. Yeah. But it's if, if they can find a place Somewhere to lay to their sleep. head, yeah, yeah, and that's a real challenge. And then if we ever get this stock option thing figured out, then it could really take accelerate things even faster in terms yeah. of other entrepreneurs picking to be here instead of London or Berlin. Or whatever. Yeah, and I honestly feel like this whole Trump. Uh, tornado yeah. uh, could Trump and Brexit could, could be both of those. Yeah. Speaking could. of that, I got, I got an email from uh, a friend of mine based in San Francisco, so two days ago, mm-hmm. and um, and asking to crash on your couch. Basically, he's saying like, uh, I'm I'm looking to move to Sweden. No, it's not uh, a joke. He, he was sincere. I know he's sincere. Matter yeah. of fact, and I was like, a... yeah, this is the plan. I'm 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 really going. Uh, to. There's yeah. no question in my mind. There's a lot of people in Silicon Valley right now. Considering alternatives to yeah, yeah. America, at this I, point. I mean, mm. we can take him on. Yeah, just we're hiring. Yeah, <laughs> no, and not, not only we. I mean, a, a lot of companies in Stockholm are hiring because yeah. the money. I mean, every month we're looking into how much money has been invested in Swedish startup, and yeah. it's it's huge, yeah. large amount yeah. uh, of investments going into Stockholm. And I mean, we need to get people here. Yeah, well, there's and a ton of I mean, just truly brilliant people in the valley in, uh, that are now considering. Plan B, which, yeah. by the way, a lot of those people, Silicon Valley really liked Bernie Sanders. Mm-hmm. Bernie Sanders was Sweden's biggest cheerleader. Mm-hmm. Oh. And the people who like Bernie Sanders, the, the Americans don't mm-hmm. deeply know it yet, mm-hmm. the same way that I do, having been here now nearly four years. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is what they've been l- hoping America would transition into, in a way. Uh, mm-hmm. So... Uh, a lot of folks from the valley come here, and when they leave, they're just like, "Holy shit, Sweden's got it figured out!" Like, mm. kind of on a policy mm. level. Mm. Like, that well, was a web summit this week, yeah. and uh, some of the things they were talking about on the main stage was, uh, I don't know if this is the correct term, but like universal pay, yeah. like everyone because of robots eating <laughs> everything. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that uh, you know, since we might not be able to employ everyone, mm. right? Mm-hmm. We should. Just give everyone a salary, right? And and that is, that is very, 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 very Bernie Sanders kind of, or yeah. even even 
far left than, yeah. than Bernie Sanders. No, there, that, that's a common topic now in Silicon Valley. In Switzerland, debated it and then voted on it, and then they decided not to do it in the end, and Finland's mm -hmm. toying with the idea. And mm -hmm. It's going to be interesting to see who tries it first and what happens when they do. Mm -hmm. And what happened with people, right? If you get paid, what will you do then? I don't There's know. There's stuff to do. Yoga. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I yeah, yeah. I mean, uh, the, uh, it's a bit out there. I haven't uh, really analyzed uh, it, the opportunity, but... Uh, yeah, anyway, the, to go, to tie the thread back to this kind of universal, you know, dog leash concept, um, it was about uh, eight, nine months ago now, I did say this again to the universe, like, what do you want me to do? You know, what's next? I because this Stockholm thing is that that ball's rolling on its own now, very much so. What's next? What do you want me to do? Mm -hmm. I literally said that. Four days later, I watch a video on YouTube, a Vice video about the water crisis in India, mm -hmm. oh. and how the the India's quickly, very quickly, running out of water. So now they're trucking in water everywhere to all these villages because the rivers have run dry and the groundwater, the wells have run dry. And this is happening all over the world, by the way. And um, and this is this is the biggest problem on earth. I mean, the 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 global warming everyone I think knows is a very big problem. And thanks to the new uh, Leonardo DiCaprio film, this people are really starting to wake mm -hmm. up to that mm -hmm. in a in a big way. Believe it or not, the only thing that I know of that's an even more urgent issue is the water crisis, which is in which will happen in the next ten years, not twenty years or thirty years. Today, ten percent of people have trouble getting clean drinking water every day, that number will go to 60% in the next 10 years, 60% of the world, which means massive immigration through yeah. the entire Middle yeah. East. We're talking every Arab state <gasps> will be completely removed, like in terms of population, like everyone's gonna have to find, you know, so this, yeah. this immigration crisis that we had so far is literally the, the rehearsal or the warm up for the mm. real immigration crisis that's on the horizon, so due to Water, simply water. So, mm -hmm. um, I I realized like, wow, what can I do about that? I don't have, you know, and I, I was scratching my head. I don't have a clue what I mm -hmm. could do. Well, what's the solution? I don't know what the solutions are, you know. And then I realized, I I gotta just use the platform I currently have mm. and really get the entrepreneurs that I know who pride themselves on solving big problems. Mm. Well, here's a big fucking problem. <laughs> Can we solve this? Mm. And then I realized, like, this big annual event, you know, that we do in, in Stockholm. Stockholm Fest, yeah. We need to add a whole second day to talk about these real big problems. Yeah. Because I started going to UN events thanks to <laughs> some big friends who were inviting me to Geneva to the UN events and to New York. And, and I realized going to these UN events, um, these people deeply know the problems and the data and they know how fast we're approaching the iceberg and mm. how big our ship is and the rate and the mm. depth and the, the temperature of the water and, you know, how big the impact will be in the velocity, but they don't have a fucking, any solutions for how to avoid this no, iceberg. No. And no one's and maybe talking. maybe not the competence. I mean. No, it's not their competence. Yeah, no, exactly. It's not no, their skill set. No. They're, they're dependent on entrepreneurs to come up with solutions. Yeah. And engineers and geeks and I realized, wait a minute, the, the geeks aren't talking about these problems. No, no, we're talking about VR and AI. Yeah, and the, yeah. We need to be talking about water. Yeah. 
T- Tinder for nurses and uh, yes, Facebook right. for dogs. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All those kind of apps. Yeah, we've so seen it Stockholm text several yeah, yeah. times. Exactly. Is that true? That's, yes. Yeah, it's oh like Airbnb for to find a place to piss, and it's just <laughs> oh. beyond <laughs> stupid. So, you know, we need to wake we have the seen fuck. like ten uh, Tinder for dogs. Yeah, we need to wake the fuck up huh. as entrepreneurs and geeks and start understanding what the global problems are, not just our own personal little. I don't want to go to the supermarket problems are, hmm. and. Um, and that's that's my n- new sort of passion in life, mm-hmm. right? Uh, realizing how important that is, mm-hmm. and working with other. And I realize the fastest way to do this is to work with other big event organizers mm-hmm. to add that to their events as well. Yeah, because this has mm-hmm. nothing to do with making money. And you, or you even uh, before we move on to the other events, I know that for for the Stockholm Tech Fest, you had problems getting investors for or or sponsors for the Solutions Day. So right. you sponsored. Your own. In a way, yeah, yeah. To, to touch on that. Yeah. The the idea for adding this extra day to TechFest came very late, you know. Like it was only three months left until the yeah. actual event. Yeah. So all the sponsors were already locked down for TechFest. So I went out being like, who wants to sponsor? We need to do this extra day, but yeah. who's going to pay for it? Yeah. So I found one potentially awesome organization who looked like they were going to pay for the cost for the whole extra day. Because yeah. it's about uh, 500,000 crowns to do yeah. the extra day. Yeah. And they were, they said, this is fantastic. It's just too short of notice for us to get our machine rolling in place to support this, but we maybe next year. And at that point, it was like two months away. Mm. So I was like, oh, shit. And then God bless uh, Erickson and Telia stepped up and said, we will Uh, help you with uh, some of this. They covered about half of it. Yeah. And... And then I thought, well, maybe I just shouldn't do this extra day. Like, I don't mm. want to eat 300,000 crowns, you know, mm. just to do mm. this extra. I was like, I don't have a choice. Mm. I have to mm. do this. Mm. I, would I, I, I wouldn't sleep well no. if I didn't do it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I wouldn't forgive myself no. for backing mm. out mm. on what the universe is calling me to do. Yeah. So I had to do it. Mm. So I was like, awesome. buy a Tesla or do this extra day. Yeah. And I said, fuck it. Mm. Let's do the extra day. Yeah. Like have to. Yeah. It's not a, it wasn't yeah. an issue. It was almost like going back to the Starbucks thing. It's like, you know what? Yeah. The yeah. Tesla will always be there. Yeah. Let's do this extra day. And we did. It was and it was uh you know, the beginning of and it's inspired a lot of people uh in a lot of cool ways. So um you know it, that's that's you know, that's where I'm at today, uh, in, in terms of who's Tyler Crowley. So long long way to answer the question. I guess. <laughs> Cool. So just going back to Stockholm Tech, mm-hmm. and I mean, you hear so many pitches every every month, right? Yeah. Uh, what was it? Tinder for dogs and yeah. uh, things like yeah, that. I hear pitches daily. <laughs> daily, yeah. right? Um, and, and for the benefit of the listeners who might be um, entrepreneurs or wanting to be entrepreneurs, what, 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 what would you say are the your recommendations in terms of how to do a good pitch? How to do a good pitch is a, is a talk I give... I give lately flown all over the place to answer that question for large incubators for their startups before their demo days, you know? Mm. So this is a methodology that I developed uh, together with Jason over the last 10 years of doing the launch festival where we coach the startups before they present on stage. And so this has been refined over a decade now. And it's a really fucking fantastic methodology that really (laughs) makes pitches amazing. Um, and what it comes down to is, I call it mental movie making. You, you're going to make a little mental movie out of your pitch. And the way to do this is step one, you create a character. Mm-hmm. Like Bob or Susie. And that character is the user of your product. 
but before they use your product, they're just a normal person who has a problem, generally. So this is Bobby. Bobby's got a problem, or Susie's got a problem, and they're going to try and solve it like anyone would. They Google, or they go on Facebook, and they ask their friends, or whatever. You know, they just act like a human would. And here's the problem with that, right? Here's why that doesn't work. And... And and that didn't solve their problem. But thankfully, they just learned about this amazing new product, which is your product or your service. And now they use it for the first time, and and they test it, and they click here, and they do this, and and they love it because now they can do this, and they're super excited. And now, thankfully, they just all you know, awesome. They just solved their problem, and they love it. And uh, and you're you're talking about the product as if it's just just you know solution that came out of the, the universal solution. Yeah, kind of. It's just. You know, they use it and they love it and here's why they love it. And you're talking about the user and why they love it. And there's a lot of important psychological reasons why to do it in that framework mm. that I could spend literally hours talking about, as I often do. But um, that's the format. It's create a character, create some drama around that character of not only what is their problem, but what is the consequence of not solving the problem. So this is Bobby and Bobby just found out that he needs to hire 10 people by tomorrow or he's going to get fired. So he does what anyone does. He Googles and he looks for how to hire people quickly. And he's doing all these things. He can't seem to figure out how to hire 10 people in 24 hours. So thankfully, he just learned about quick hire. Whatever the... I'm pulling this out of my ass, clearly. And now he logs on to quick hire and he sees there's all the people near him who are looking for jobs. And he can sort, sort, sort by things that match what he's looking to hire. And now he sees there's 100 people looking for the job that he's posting and he answers five questions and boom now he's got 20 interviews lined up and he instantly is facetiming or skyping with them and he's he's finished before lunch he thought you know he's worried about getting it done before boom. yeah <laughs> and it's talking about the product from the perspective of the user and why the user loves it and he loves this because it's so simple now he uses this and now he does that and and it exceeds his expectations, and it's simpler than he thought. And it's the same kind of storytelling you can do on websites or in other yes, it, mar it, marketing materials. It's, in, it's actually like incredibly similar to your two-minute little animation video that you might put on your website. Mm. Here's this character, and he, you know, like, um, and the beautiful part is if you do make a little two-minute animation of this movie, mm. right, of this character with a problem, and now they use the product, and now, and you email that out to investors or partners or whatever, and you say. Rather than sending a whole bunch of text about what you do, you just send this little YouTube link. They'll click it and watch it, and then they got it. Yeah. And then the keys are to be very simple, hmm. right? And to show the pain, show the problem, show the solution and why it delivers the promise and how simple and fun and easy it is to use. And, um, I mean, that's that, that's the essence of the So that's a good pitch. Yeah. But what is the worst pitch you've ever listened to? Uh, I mean, maybe you don't hard need to, to name one. names, yeah. but, but hard to pick one. I mean, Swedes are are it would Swedes are the worst pitchers mm. anywhere. How that, come? That, um, I'm not sure. I think they overanalyze it too much. They spend way too much time talking, trying to set up the conversation, mm. and they start talking. Is it the consensus kind of perhaps, culture? Perhaps it's just way too much talk about the. I don't even know what your product is at all, and you've been talking for 15 minutes about, you know, I mean, let's let's say we're talking about Tinder. Like, mm -hmm. I just developed Tinder, and I'm going to pitch Tinder. Like, so, you know, it's hard to meet new people, and, um, you know, so, you know, statistics, and they go into lots of numbers and data and just drilling on all this data, and the reality is, is 
or when when you're pitching to somebody, there's two parts to their brain. There's the analytical part of the brain, and then there's the story listening part of the brain. What I mean by that is PowerPoint and spreadsheets is designed to speak to the analytical brain. Mm-hmm. Have you and heard about blue, green, and red characters or n- characteristics? I haven't. Person? So I can talk about that in okay. 10 seconds. But the, the analytical mind, generally Swedes pitch to the analytical mind, meaning um, numbers and data and very logical and that's fine. However, that's, dan- that's not optimal for pitches right. because the analytical mind is very skeptical and by default is looking for problems. So when you, somebody starts pitching and they start talking about their device and their medical solution and this percentage of this and the money and the the rate of adoption and all. go back a slide you why is it that number yeah yeah no exactly your brain starts thinking about by default without you even realizing it you start saying oh well here you're, here's all the problems you're going to have it's a long sales cycle and this conversion rate and it gets very analytical very quickly hmm. and <clears throat> and it's very skeptical It's just that's how it is. Your brain's in the skeptical, where's the problem mode. Mm-hmm. When you're watching a movie like Harry Potter, mm-hmm. right, and Harry Potter jumps on a broom and flies away, your brain doesn't say, wait, you can't do that. <laughs> right? It's just part of the story, right? right. So when you're, when you're pitching in the story format of here's this character and this character does this and the character mm-hmm. just does this, your brain's like, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. There's no, you're not looking for the, oh, you can't do that, right? You're, you're just, your brain doesn't go into that mode. <laughs> So what I wanted to mention is the so this is a personality test. I think it's a Swedish thing or a Nordic thing, um, but essentially you take this test and then um, you're either a green person, a blue person, or a red person. So a green person is visionary, strategic, focuses on the big picture, and then you have a blue person who's focusing on analytics or the numbers and and the details, right? And then you have a red person who is more empathetic and focuses on customers. So it's a very good framework to think about when you're in a meeting and talking to people. Uh, is it green people? Is it blue people? Or is it uh, red people? Right? Uh, and in my opinion, the best presentations. Now we're not talking about stories, but presentations is a well-rounded presentation is something that is both visionary, strategic, so, y- but also has the, the analytical, like the numbers, right? right. The so details. D- now we're just going to the next layer deeper in this whole methodology of mental movie making. A common question is, well, how do I deliver the data in this story? methodology right. it's actually very simple and it's actually far better done in the story format than in the, the dry analytical format you can very eloquently very simplistically drop market size competitor landscape all kinds of interesting little data points into the story format for example this is sarah like one third of teachers in sweden she feels mm-hmm. this way mm-hmm. you just dropped you know like you know the the 400,000 other teachers in mm-hmm. you know Scandinavia she does this and you you just dropped market size right mm-hmm. of the key metric that you're and you can continue to drop your numbers in there and you can say in that little narrative of like so she tries so, okay so she's got this problem right here Sarah she's a teacher she's got this problem so she goes out and try, finds out about this app which are your competitors right And she tries it, and then she finds the weakness in it and why it doesn't solve her problem. You just nullified your competitors of why they're not working. Luckily, That's really smart. Yeah. she just found out about this new solution, and she uses it, and it works. Yeah. And now you just addressed why yours works and your competitors don't in a way that's yeah. far better than any grid 
you've everyone seen that fucking the green grid. person's happy the blue person's happy and yes. the red person the empathy for yes. the customer yes and by the way you can do some really clever talk about the red person for a second by the way i'll, I'll do tell me if i'm wrong here i bet i bet i have a strategy that would even make the green and blue people into red people by simply if you do this trick where the character in the story who's either bobby or susie as i said it's not bobby or susie you do your homework and you find out the husband or wife of the person you're pitching or the daughter or son of the person you're pitching and you make that the name of the person. And then magically, they physically kind of look like the husband or wife or son or daughter of the person you're pitching. Like even their face looks very similar. And magically, you somehow involve the high school or college. The character also just magically went to the same high school or college that this person went to or they're from the same hometown. But as soon as you sneaky, do that... Sneaky. As soon as you're, the name of the hometown you grew up in is somehow in this story, you are engaged in a, you're not in an analytical way. Mm. You're engaged in a, an emotional way. Mm. You can't help it. It's human nature. I don't care if you're a, a robot uh, or how blue or green you are. As soon as I say, this is the name of your wife, this is Sarah, mm. and, or your daughter or whatever, and you know Sarah is from this small town, which also happens to be the same town you're you know, originally from, you're just like, what the fuck is going on here, right? Your brain is just, analytical is the furthest thing from your mind at that yeah. point. And we all, we're in the first three seconds of the pitch. Yeah. So, so going back to the investor mindset, yeah. I mean, you're also an investor, right? And you, yeah. you, you talked about your history in trading and all that yeah. kind of stuff. So, so, um, and, and going back to the pitch discussion as yeah. well as well but what do you look for in a business that you invest in what are the key traits i mean i, I talked to stefan Kruk a yeah. while back and he, he said that it's mainly about people that you yeah, have that's conf the confidence it depends at what stage you're investing right. so there's we call it angel rounds and a rounds b rounds c rounds d rounds and for those who don't know angel rounds is pre proof we don't know if this pro idea is going to work or not hmm. highly risky Highly risky. Is there a product or it might just be a pitch? It might just be an idea hmm. at that point, right? So ideas are insanely risky. Uh, products, less so. Once you've got it built, anyways, because you, you, you've proven you can at least build a product, not which not everyone can do. And then from the product stage, you go into, you've tested it and it's working or it isn't. The risk drops dramatically at that point, right? Yeah. Dramatically. But you like risk. Um, well, here's my thought on it. And there's there's different investors at each of those steps. Hmm. Some like the super high risk is an idea, and because you can get twenty percent of the company for very little money. If the idea becomes built, hmm. well, now they've built it. Now, if you want to get twenty percent, you got to pay five times more than you could have, you know, six months ago. And then once it's built, and then it starts having customers, and it's kind of proven that the product people actually like it. Now, if you want to get 20% of the company, you got to actually pay a good amount. Yeah, so there's a risk curve for, oh, the, for the all risk, the rounds. Right? As the product continues, hopefully, the risk just drops off you know, the table, just literally like... And the, wait, the longer you wait, the lower the risk, the more you have to pay to get 20% of the company hmm. or 30 or 40, whatever it is you're, you're aiming at. So my philosophy, in the, and everyone has a different philosophy of why each of those is better than the others. You know, there's a good argument for coming in at each of those levels. Yep. And different people feel more comfortable coming in at different levels. I like coming in very early because I don't have a lot of money <laughs> to give the startups, right? So 
Um, I don't really have a choice, actually. I would prefer to come in once. Uh, in turn, I don't have a big risk appetite either by default. So I'm very rarely invest. Very rarely. I only get in when I'm really sure this is going to work without proof. Mm. So I have some kind of deep knowledge of why I know this will work even before you've actually done it. Mm. So, so uh, that's why I invest so rarely. So those happen very rarely, once a year perhaps. So but what do you look for what, when you're in what that I'm looking, type yeah, of situation? No, so for me, it's, it is in t- my philosophy is, and everyone's different as I'm trying to say, is it is it's entirely about the person, the, the founder, the team. But what are the traits? The traits are relentlessness. Relentlessness. Yeah. Like, well, and specifically, uh, a a obsession with the problem, not and not giving a fuck about the solu- the solution. Amateur entrepreneurs fall in love with their solutions, hmm. and they try and apply their solution to. Uh, here's, but at at its core, you're solving a problem, hmm. and you've come up with a solution. The best entrepreneurs, the ones that you know, I. Me, you know, the, the ones that I admire are just obsessed with the problem and finding the solution to the problem. Don't do it the other way around. Don't fall in love with your solution and force it into this problem. Like I've, you know, I, I think I, I've come up with this way to, you know, you know, Tinder for dogs, whatever, you know, they've got this idea. Mm. Well, the idea is a potential solution. Mm-hmm. Well, the idea doesn't matter. What matters is the problem and finding the right solution. So are you obsessed with the problem and actually finding the right? Because the right solution is rare, very rarely, very, very, very rarely is your idea actually the right solution to the problem. The, the, long, the more time you spend with it, the solution should evolve continuously um, to better fit the problem. So don't care at all about your idea. Who cares what your idea is? Be obsessed about the problem. But go, talk about Daniel Eck, for instance. Yeah. Right? So, yeah, he he cares about the problem, getting people the music that they want to get, and who? What's that look like? I don't care. Is it a VR thing? Is it a? If it's on my phone, if it's on my, who cares? Do mm. be obsessed with the problem of getting people the music they want. Mm. Does that mean we should get build an algorithm that recommends stuff? Does it mean we? Who cares what the solution is? What's the let's solve that problem and be obsessed with that problem. And if you're obsessed with that problem, then when VR comes in, VR plays a part in getting people the music they want. They're just living the problem, right? And the solutions will con- constantly evolve. Mm-hmm. And this is why if you're too obsessed with your solution, you're not going to evolve it. You love your solution. Why then would you change done. it? Right, right. You're done. Mm-hmm. What the would problem be an example with, of that? The problem with that is as the world evolves, mm-hmm. The problem starts to shift a little bit. Mm-hmm. And now VR comes out, and you're not going to use VR because that wasn't part of your solution. And now someone else comes out with VR. So it's just like the car industry being obsessed with correct. cars dr- correct. run on gas. Right? Correct. And and to speak a little about that, I had a fucking amazing conversation with Peter Carlson, who, who I'm very fortunate to think of as a friend now. And um, he was and the for chief, those who don't, who don't know, know, Peter Carlson is the chief product officer of Tesla and head of supply chain for Tesla, meaning he's responsible for those cars, every bolt on the car and every everything about everything to do with the cars. Um, he just resigned to focus on other things because, as you can imagine, that was probably one of the hardest jobs in the world the last few years. <laughs> he probably didn't get to uh, sleep that much, sleep or talk to his loved ones at all. So. Um, for his own health and sanity, it probably made sense to back out. At a certain, you can only do that for so long physically, yeah, right. mentally. So Peter revealed to me uh, that they would meet with 
Mercedes and Toyota and BMW and all these companies, especially the German companies. And the question is, why couldn't they just do what Tesla's doing? Very great question. Certainly, economically, they could. And so why don't they? Well, it <clears throat> turns out those companies, there's a power structure, just like a government. And the power in those companies, is the, 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 engine, engine, the engineering team, and the engine's the key word there, the engineering teams who build engines have an incredible amount of power in those companies, much more so than the design. And the designers have power in the company, whatever. But the people who are built, you know, built the engines and these the combustion engines have just way too much political power in those companies. So the idea of building a car and not involving that team who is like your superstar, the the rock stars in the company, that's just not an option. Hmm. It'd be like the the Miami Heat playing without LeBron James. Like, yeah. what? No, we're not going to do that. Why would we ever do that? That's just an absurd thought. You can't, you know, you have your star team sit on the bench when you're, what do you do with them? Tell them, you know, it's a real predicament for those car companies. They, they literally, and that's why their solution is to come out with these hybrids because then at least there's some little fucking engine in the car that mm -hmm. the that team can work on and contribute to that car. That, so that's why you're seeing so much of the hybrid cars. When the, when the real solution, if you're obsessed with the problem, the problem is we have too much CO2 in the fucking environment. It's heating up the planet. Mm. Tesla's got it dead right. There's too much CO2. That's the problem. Let's be very clear what the actual problem is here. Amen. There's too much CO2 in the environment. <laughs> and if you've watched the, uh, Leonardo's new movie, he interviews Elon. He outlays this crystal clear. Yeah. Elon doesn't give a fuck about cars. He cares about there's too much CO2 in the environment. Yeah. He understands the problem. He's, and the solution in this case is... Because you, that they created the problem, right? Well, you work backwards, yeah. right? You have to work backwards and understand clearly what the problem First is. First principles, as it First principles. Yeah. There's too much CO2. Okay, let's work backwards. A lot of good how, stuff. How do we get that out of there? We get the car. We, we, we stop using these fossil fuels in transportation. Let's start with this, this car. And you can see how Tesla's now a solar power thing. All focused around the problem, which is too much CO2 and getting us off of fossil fuels and all that. Stop obsessing with your solution. I, I built this great car, and this is why the other electric cars are failing. Because hmm. they're actually approaching it as a, like, they're obsessed with their car and their solution, and it's, it's, you see what I'm saying. I, I completely understand. <laughs> and, and I saw this quote the other day, um, so shifting focus a little bit, but yeah. problems, but uh, I think it was on Twitter. It says, it's never been easier to, to start a company. True. Uh, but it's never been harder to build one. And mm. I just want to get your take on that quote. Mm. I don't know who it was. Mm. Probably some smart person. But I don't know that it's harder to build one now. I mean, it's a, your <clears throat> the ability to connect with people and different skill sets. You're, we're kind of in a very privileged moment where with LinkedIn and all, all the different resources that are out there, social networks and whatnot to try and find talent. But there's so much buzz about startups all the time, mm -hmm. and, and uh, companies are starting it's incubators, been, and they have their own venture capital firms. It's never been easier to get funded on an idea, ever, mm -hmm. especially in Stockholm. Right? I'm literally, as we speak, this month, we get, there's more and more startups getting funded in Stockholm now than ever before. There's actually more money than we need right now. That's a rare opportunity. Mm -hmm. If you are not able to get funded now, it's there's a problem with you or your approach or your solution that you need to digest and 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 grow from and go back to the drawing board and come back stronger and don't take it personally and just you know and grow with it so it's, it's never been easier to build a company economically mm -hmm. as a startup um and 
I would say it's uh, so I don't necessarily agree with the tweet. Gotcha. But going back to that um, about the startup scene and the valuations yeah. and raising capital and all yeah. that kind of stuff. But something that I notice in this type of communication and and stories and mm -hmm. news and all that kind of stuff is 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 not that much focus on the actual revenue that mm. uh, these companies are making. It's mm. more about how much money they've raised. Well, yeah. And in and, and, and Stockholm Tech, yeah. you, you start mm. the, the show mm. with slides on how much Correct. money Correct. companies have raised. Yeah. So here's why. Here's what that's about. <clears throat> and this is where Sweden is uh, different from the US, and but is transitioning to the US thinking on this. So the Silicon Valley as a, as a mentality is starting to spread globally, and here's what that's about. The mental Silicon Valley really pioneered this mentality of growth, 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 mm. and <clears throat> you're you're in growth mode when you start out. You're not concerned about revenue. You're concerned about growth because if you can't grow, there's a, the revenue makes no difference. Mm. And you grow, 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 like Google did, like Facebook did, and and Twitter to a degree. And then you get to a certain point where the growth starts to stop, actually, mm. Mm. and that's when you start monetizing and start milking the cow but you need to grow the cow and until you you know let's grow this cow as big as we can and then start milking it like you don't can't you do that at the same time though? yeah you, you want to milk a calf i guess you can drink calf milk if you want <laughs> you know it's not optimal you know you could but you're in growth mode you need to focus on growth at all costs like uber's doing it it's just growth 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 growth, growth. we'll get and you take over market share as yeah. you're growing you're, but you're, if you look at a company like amazon for instance yeah they get a lot of criticism because they're not making that much and, money and yet they are slowly taking over all of retail all of it all of fucking retail everything everyone buys mm. they don't give a fuck about making a dollar right now they want to take over retail and that's going to take 20 30 years of just growth, 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 nonstop for 30 years. And once they own all of retail, okay, well, now we're going to start charging you. We're going to start making, because now no one can come in. The game's over. We, we conquered planet Earth. We are e-retail. We are e that is how you do it. That is the Silicon Valley mindset. You know, you grow until you are unreplaceable, like Google, and now you can charge whatever the fuck you want. Hmm. Because no one can come in. Who you're going to compete with? Google. Good luck. Your Facebook or Amazon. No, there's no chance in hell. And if anyone does come in and looks like there's any chance they might be competitive, Zuckerberg's buying out his competitors. <laughs> he doesn't care what the price is. He's paying ten times more what the market thinks they're worth. Uh, Instagram, perfect example. WeChat, whatever. He don't care. He'll pay billions. I'm taking you out. You are not ruining my rocket ship. We're going to Mars, baby. Like there's and. The, <laughs> I, there's no chance I'm going to let you derail my, you know, so. Um, yeah, but going from um, Facebook to to a massive unicorn, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of talk in, in the media about Swedish unicorns, right? Yeah. Spotify, Klarna, Moyang, Skype, and, I, I, and, and I, I, I want to add one more point before we get into that. Yeah. Klarna is a great example. Still in growth mode. Mm. They were in growth mode throughout the Nordics, and then they went in the UK, now in the US. So still very much in growth mode. They're, they're just shifting the market. They're growing in, right? Mm -hmm. There was an episode a year or two ago where they were accused of trying to make too much money kind of by fooling customers, by not paying their invoices on time or something, or mm -hmm. double charging them or all this or whatever, right? Oh, you're trying to make, you're squeezing your customers for money in a kind of the selfish, greedy, sneaky kind of way. That is, that is the stupidest accusation imaginable because Klarna is obsessed with growth. They don't give a fuck about making revenue right now at all. 
If they need more money, they'll go raise more money. They don't need to get money from the customers. They don't want more money from the customers. They want a really low price for the customer. So no, pe- no other people come in and be like, oh, I can do that cheaper. That's the last thing they want. Mm-hmm. So they're, gonna, they're not concerned about, they don't want to upset customers at all. They're obsessed with keeping all the customers. They're in growth, 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 just like Amazon. Mm-hmm. The idea that they would try and maximize for revenue right now, mm-hmm. you just don't know the fundamentals of startups. Mm-hmm. They're in growth mode. They're not in revenue mode. Why would they try and overcharge customers? You, you just don't know how the businesses work. This is a very, this is my main com- complaint with a lot of journalists everywhere. That when, when journalists who complain about Amazon not being profitable, it's like, you don't think Jeff Bezos knows what he's doing? Are you just, have you seen that stock chart? Do you, it's just, please go take a business class, please. <laughs> please, before you make a comment. It's like, it's like somebody who doesn't know anything about politics, talking about politics. Or, or, you know, it's even more fundamental than that because it's, mm. it's more easily black and white. It's just, you know, they're in growth mode. They don't care. Amazon's in growth. And they know exactly what they're doing. They know exactly what they're doing with every dollar they're spending. But going back to those Swedish unicorns, so yeah. what is what is the next step like in terms of Sweden? Yeah. I mean, where do you see the next unicorns? Where, do you see them from a distance? Yeah, Truecaller, uh, Izettle, those are yeah. the next ones, yeah. And, and in what space do you see others being in? Um, is it bioscience? Is it music? Hmm... Yeah, uh, nobody knows. Nobody just, knows. No, I mean everyone's got their their areas that they focus in. Every investor has a a favorite genre, mm. almost like music. Like I like reggae, I like hip hop, I like you know because they know that genre. Yeah, they know a good e commerce company when they see it. I, me personally, I don't know a good e commerce company. I don't know a good reggae band when I hear one. Yeah. I was know? just wondering, like how Y Combinator, for instance, how they pick these these companies to invest in. I mean, mm-hmm. I listened to um, this. How to start a startup? That podcast mm-hmm. episodes yeah. from from Stanford University. I yeah. highly recommend listening to it. Yeah, and and um, um, they they talked about you know they were investing in like fission and fusion startups. Like mm-hmm. <laughs> I have no clue about fission and fusion. Yeah. and how can you have that deep knowledge yeah. in a particular space yeah. uh, and in so many spaces? Yeah. Well, in general, they're looking for really bright individuals who are using an unfair advantage. To solve, to uh, to an unfair little hack almost to apply to a difficult problem that the other people are not using that clever, unique angle, mm. right? Like, mm, I'm trying to think of good examples. <clears throat> that 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 is one thing that I think every investor has in common is they get really excited when they feel like there's an unfair advantage that this company has stumbled into mm-hmm. that that's going to allow them to kind of progress faster than anybody else. Gotcha. And um, so that that's generally something you want to include as part of your pitch with the secret sauce. And a lot of times it's a function of time. It's in the past, this idea was tried many times. This solution was tried many times in the past, but now there's this thing called VR and now we're going to, you know, add VR to it or, or a mobile like every mobile app that came out is like we're going to try eBay mobile we're going to be PayPal mobile we're going to be whatever look at Square oh, now there's a chance to iZettle mm. credit you know the phone comes out well guess what now we can anyone can accept credit cards it's like but what are the major macro themes that you the think macro is? themes right now are the new platforms that evolve right yeah. VR is a new platform yeah. 
So that's a whole new world. It's the mm. like internet all over again. And what are the interesting companies in that? Well, right space? now, we don't even know how to fucking hyperlink in VR. How mm. do you go from one experience to the next? Yeah, I tried the VR VR goggles in, in, at Web Summit. Right. And uh, you have to click with your eyes. Right. And that was super awkward. Right. Well, the, the, even the standards are mm. being figured out. Right. How are we going to do payment in VR? Mm. How are we going to do... It's the, that's what I'm saying. It's the internet all over. How are you going to... It's something as simple as the hyperlink, yeah. which you think about in web pages today. I, I remember before there were hyperlinks. Mm. You know, it was just you know you had to type in a different URL every time you want to go to a different page, and then somebody was like, "Oh, wow, here's this cute little hack. Mm. We make this little blue link, and it takes you. You just click on the. It's called like, a hyperlink. Yeah, it's, it's called a hyperlink. And for the most of the people listening, they don't remember Times Roman and bold and right, underline. Right, right. When even fonts, so you didn't even have a font choice right, for right. the most part. And you know, I'm an old fucker. It's just. You know, if you remember those things, then you realize when you look at VR, it's like, okay, here's a new platform all over again. Mm. Where's how are we going to do hyperlink in VR? How are we going to do, you know, commerce? How are we going to do ads in VR? Yeah. How are we going to do that? Talk about a talk about a trillion dollar opportunity. What, what does ads in VR look like? Yeah. And it's an interesting way of thinking. I mean, it, this reminds me of uh, the book Makers. I think it was Chris Anderson that wrote. Uh, I mm -hmm. can't remember. Um, the, so the guy from Wired. Um, so he wrote about 3D printing. Yeah. I think it was like four years ago or something mm -hmm. like that. And he's just saying that, you know, the 3D printers right now, that was four years ago, they were qu quite uh, rudimentary. Yeah. But but think about 3D printing in 5, 10, 15, 20 years. And yeah. It's just that mindset is so yeah. um, amazing. Yeah. Just thinking about, you know, it might not work perfectly right now. Right. But imagine in 10 years using the same technology, right. what, what can happen? Well, for those who don't know, VR was a huge buzz 15 years ago. Right. And there was a lot of excitement when it f the idea was originated. We didn't have the skills or the whatnot to really execute it. And it died. Mm. And it sat in the closet. Yeah, and it was the same thing in the '80s with AI. I heard and to a degree, to yeah. a degree. When there was the, the, this is incredibly common and it consistently happens over and over. E-commerce. Yeah. Early on, that first Web 1.0 bubble, the idea was, oh, everyone, all these companies are going to make a ton of money because people are going to buy. Or Bitcoin price. Bitcoin I mean, it was a mania in the beginning, of and then course. it went down, and then it all, goes up again. When the idea is born, mm. and there's attempts to try and do it, generally it's too early every time. But there's an overexcitement about the opportunity early on mm. and then it takes time for the the ecosystem to evolve around it to really allow it to happen bitcoin's a great example it's going to take years to get all the banks on board and the governments on board and the players on board and the retailers on board but the original idea is great and it spiked and came down just like the web 1.0 crash is the, is the best meta example of this so it was like all this excitement about the internet the companies weren't able to make money because they didn't have the credit cards Nobody trusted e-commerce back then to put right. their credit card online. And then come Web 2, 3.0, now everyone's got their credit card online. Everyone's yeah. buying everything But you online. think sky's the limit in terms of the web, in terms of that trend line? Um, I think the, the idea of a connected internet, the devices evolve. You know, we're going from desktop to mobile to VR is the new, going to be the new device. It's going to take a lot of time. The hardware is not even nearly close to optimized. Mm -hmm. I mean, this again, this the old idiots on listening will fondly remember the size of the the first desktop computers the size of the first laptops my i i, I fondly remember my uncle had a if you can call it a laptop a portable computer it was bigger than a desktop but it was thought of as a portable because you could literally carry it although you'd take you know both your hands and you'd lean back but it was like this thing's portable it's a portable computer yeah you know that's where the, P, the word pc came from it's like you look now and you laugh when you look at the new how thin the new Apple MacBook is, you know, mm. and 
But you, we you reached look, the limit look, when it look comes at, to Look computing. at VR devices today. Mm. You, those things are going to become embedded in our eyeballs in 10 years, you know, tw maybe 20. And when that happens, it's, you know, I mean, that's the level of speed of progress that happens, right? It's like you can't look at the VR devices today and be like, oh, this ain't going to work. Mm. You ain't going to look. Remember the first cell phones? They were like these massive, they were the size of yeah. fax machines. And now the cell phones are, you know, it's the iPhone, and it's gonna. The VR devices are going to take five, ten years, and they'll go from these big bricks that people are wearing on their heads into tiny little I mean, contact lens type stuff. And Apple's already working on the patents on that. All Samsung, they're all doing that. So you know, yeah, give it ten years, it'll be a contact lens, and um, and then it's this augmented virtual reality that we'll all be living in. But you got to start working on the on the on the pipes and the infrastructure today. If you want to be a player, then mm. I mean that—that's sort of a to a degree. And I think uh, just a last question mm. for all the aspiring entrepreneurs or intrapreneurs, whatever mm. you want to call us. So what is the what is your advice for if you're an aspiring entrepreneur? Uh, how to how to make the leap or take the leap? to start a business there's no it's it's a totally internalized thing you won't have a choice it'll it'll it will choose you you know and um you'll you'll know it when it happens mm. you know um you won't be able to stop thinking you'll be obsessed <laughs> and um and you have to be relentless just to quote you uh, yeah but it, be, that implies that you're gonna have to muster a lot of willpower and it's not like that at all I, uh, to me, I think uh, Jobs said it best. It's like you have to be a little bit insane about this problem that you're solving. Like you almost have to feel like you're writing something that's wrong in the world, uh, much like I did about Stockholm not being respected as a city. And I feel like that has started to be righted for sure um, because it's going to require so much work that any sane person was is going to stop. And so you really have to be motivated very deeply on a very deep level internally because it, it surpasses willpower. If you, It's not about willpower. You're, you will stop. Any sane person will stop. So you can't muster enough willpower. This has to go into the core of your passion about you're fixing something that's just fundamentally wrong. It's not just a smart idea I got to make some bucks. Fuck mm. that. No, please don't do that. The world has enough crap stuff of you people with bright little silly ideas on how to make a few bucks like just stop but if you but if it's something that here's a real problem and i'm obsessed with it and i'm going to fix it and here's my current idea that i'm going to test and find why my idea is wrong and evolve it and evolve it and evolve it a thousand times and eventually address this problem in the best way possible you know if you're obsessed with a real problem i think then and you can't can't let it go then that's what it's about. You can't let it go. It's not up to you. It's not about willpower, you know? Great ending. Yeah. So thank you so much, Tyler, for yeah. coming in. And, Pleasure. Uh, in the interview. Yeah.